Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Fluck Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Fluck, and today it's a 12 questions version of the podcast with Eric Almarola of Stuart Haas Racing. Happy to have Eric on for another version this year. So let's get right to the questions. Hey everybody, I'm here with Eric Almarola for another edition of 12 Questions. Eric, uh, are you an iPhone person or an Android person, and why? Uh, iPhone, and simply because from the very beginning. Um, I, I had an iPod and then I liked it. And so then I got the iPhone. So I, cause I already had an iTunes account so I could have the music on my iPhone. And then once you have an iPhone, like you're kind of stuck, like once you go down that path, I feel <laughs> like, and then I've switched everything. Like I've got Apple, you know, iPad on the, you know, for the plane, I've got a Mac at home. Like it just makes everything a lot easier. Yep. I'm with you. Okay, so, you know, let's say a fan meets you in the garage. They may only have five seconds for this brief interaction. Yep. Um, they could have an option for, like, a selfie, an autograph, or a quick comment to you. What do you think is the best way that they should approach you to, like, have that interaction go the best for them? Uh, that's It's tricky um, because there's different times throughout the year and different days of of the weekend that uh you know the drivers are a little bit less stressed and a little bit uh you know less uh in a hurry to get to wherever they're going and if you find them in that moment the driver will most likely chat you up will sign an autograph for you will take the time to take a picture for you but then you catch a driver like walking out to his car for qualifying or you catch him walking out to the car um for pre-race or anything like that man, the, that, that guy is intensely focused in that moment. Like you would never get access to Tom Brady walking out the tunnel to go onto the field to warm up or mm-hmm. walking out on the field to get ready to, to go play a game. You would never get access to a basketball player walking out. You know, you would, and that's the access that we get here um, in NASCAR. And, and I, I'm, I love it. I do. I, I love our fans and um, I love interacting with them, but you catch us in the right time in the right place. We'll, we'll, we'll spend, we'll spend a lot of time with you. Um, but if you, if you catch us in that moment to where we're ultra focused and ready to go, you know, 200 miles an hour inches apart from other drivers, like we're going to be, we're going to be a little bit more zoned out. And when we're zoned out, we obviously don't pay a lot, a lot of attention to mm-hmm. our surroundings. And that's not just the fans. I'm, you know, it's that way with, um, with everybody because you kind of just get in this tunnel vision of thinking about what you are getting ready to do and, and being prepared for qualifying or the race or whatever it is. So that's a tough question to just answer directly mm-hmm. um you know obviously if we're sitting at an autograph appearance for an hour or two like come on you can get an autograph you can get a picture we'll chat with you we're we're there for whatever time we're, we're slotted to be there and and usually i stick around even longer to make sure we take care of everybody um so yeah i think it it, it depends on the timing okay um when someone pulls a jerk move on you on the road does it at all compare to the feeling when someone pulls a jerk move on the track? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, 
yeah the only difference is 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 on the racetrack you can actually run up there and run into the back of them <laughs> and on and on the road uh, that's frowned upon <laughs> okay um has there any ever been a time when you've had a sketchy situation with your safety equipment uh one time uh, a couple years ago my steering wheel rubbed my seatbelt and turned the cam lock on my seatbelts and it actually made my seatbelts come undone wow. and i know a few other drivers that that has happened to as well um so yeah that that is pretty scary when that happens was that during a race uh yes wow. yeah so um so yeah so you kind of you kind of check up and slow down and wait for the caution to come or on the straightaways you're you know trying to drive with your legs and people probably think you're drunk out there <laughs> on the racetrack but you're trying to focus on what you have going on uh to get your seatbelts in so yeah dang holy cow. but that hasn't happened in a long time this, the the seatbelts and the locking mechanisms and all of that stuff have gotten a lot better but um years ago and when the cam lock system first came out uh that was that was certainly more more of an issue hmm. if your crew chief put a super secret illegal part on your car that made it way faster would you want to know about it i would not no i, w I would not want to know um i i've always been i've always been the kind of guy that just you know i want to i want to describe what the race car is doing and tell the crew chief and the engineers what is happening from from my vantage point as the driver and then i want them to to go to work and fix that i've never i've never really been in the details on what springs are on the car what shocks are on the car how much wedge do we have in the car all of those things i know what all those things do and i can i can voice my opinion but the sport has evolved so much and the setups are so so much different than anything that i learned and knew growing up and so much more goes into it from the you know the engineering and the computer side of it that the old school mentality is is not really relevant so i you know i've always been been that way to where i i'm, I'm more of uh you know just show up drive tell them what's going on with the car and uh they they handle the car and it's their job to figure out how to make the car go as fast as it can and that's that's not my role mm-hmm okay um, what is a food you would not recommend eating uh, right before a race? And are you speaking from personal experience with this recommendation? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I think, I think it'd probably be a bad idea to um, consume a lot of dairy mm. uh, right before a race. I think that's a, that's a really bad, bad idea mm -hmm. um, just because dairy sits so heavy. And then you get hot in the oh. car, like really hot. And yeah, I just think that's a, that's a terrible combination. That sounds horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eric, is there life in outer space? And if so, do they race? <laughs> you said these questions were out there. You were <laughs> yeah. not kidding. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe there's life in outer space. Um, Maybe there is, but I would have to be proven wrong on that one. So I don't believe there's life in outer space. Okay. So, so the answer to the other part of the question would be... They can't yeah. race if there's no life. That's yeah. right. What do drivers talk about when they're standing around at driver intros before a race? It depends on the <laughs> what two drivers are 
talking or what group of drivers are talking. Um, usually for myself, I'm, I just, I go up there and I'm kind of zoned in and ready to go race. And, um, everybody up there is, is a friend of me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, just kind of focused on getting ready to race. And I, if, if you see somebody or whatever, you're like, Hey man, how's it going? Whatever. How's your car? Um, and I think that's most of the conversation, at least what I see. And, you know, I think most of the people are, you know, just pleasantries. Um, you know, you're getting ready to go race against this guy for the next four hours and you want to crush him. Uh, (laughs) so you're not, uh, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not a jerk, but you're not overly friendly either. And, um, you just, yeah, you're just ready to go race and ready to go compete. And then there's the guys like Boyer and some of the other guys that are up there just having a jolly good old time, uh, <laughs> laughing it up and just, you know, really laid back and relaxed. And they're just having, you know, just getting ready to get the party started. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Eric, what makes you happy right now? there's a lot actually um i'm finding a lot of happiness right now with with my family um you know i've got i'm really fortunate that uh you know i've got a great family wife six-year-old son five-year-old daughter they they're they're so much fun to be around right now and watch them grow and and get bigger and watching them you know start to branch out into doing their own things for you know the first several years of their life um everything kind of revolved around me still um you know the things that revolved around them was making sure that they were fed and their Mm -hmm. diapers were changed but as they grow up and get older and and you know my son's now playing basketball and playing baseball and riding bmx bikes and my daughter's doing gymnastics and she's doing uh uh, theater and, and things like that. And so that kind of stuff, it just, it's fun. It's fun as a dad to to see that stuff. And so that's been making me happy. Um, and then just, you know, being, being around my, my, my team, um, and, and being at the racetrack and, and racing and, and, and competing, uh, I've been finding a lot of happiness in that, uh, this, this past year and, and going into this new season, uh, just because of how competitive we are and, and showing up to the racetrack is fun. You know, every weekend that we show up to the track is like, hey, this is a new weekend, new opportunity. We can go win. Um, and that makes it fun. And, and so I've just kind of this last year just really rejuvenated me as a as a, you know, as a race car driver. And, and just it made going to work fun again. And, and I found a lot of happiness in it. That's really cool. Okay, so a sponsor comes to you and they're like, Eric, we will fund the entire rest of your racing career on the condition that you wear a clown nose and an 80s rocker wig in every interview you do for the rest of your career. Would you accept this offer? Yeah, sold. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that was easy. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, that's a small price to pay to get to do what you love to do and have somebody else pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think at the end, you know, when you think about that, um, I get, I, I have one of the coolest jobs in the world. Like I, I get to do what I've dreamed about doing since I was eight years old and I get paid really well to do it. And it, I do it at the very highest level. So yeah, if, if the sponsor wants me to wear a, a clown nose and an eighties wig doing an interview, like, yeah, whatever, let's do it. Okay. 
Um, so this is the 10th year I've been doing the 12 questions. And as we were talking about before, I've, I've never repeated a question until now. Okay. So um, pick a number between 1 and 100. I will go back and associate it with the previous interview and ask you a question from a previous uh, year's interview. Between 1 and 100? Uh-huh. Uh, can we just go like with 10 since that's my car number? You probably I thought anticipated I was, that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the <laughs> Joey Logano tipped me off that people are going to be asking their car number. Yeah. So I pulled up that had, had you uh, asked that the, what if I said like 76, uh, I wouldn't have that ready, but yeah. I could pull it up. Okay. Yeah. But 10, you have, this, ready. So this is the 10th question from the first 12 questions. Okay. Uh, 2010. If a rookie asks you one driver they should learn from and one driver they should avoid learning from, who would those two people be? And you want me to answer what I answered in 2010? No, we, we hadn't done one yet. Your first one we did was 2012. So oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. If, if you could just answer it in modern day. Modern day, yes. if a rookie came to me and asked me... One driver you should learn from and one driver you should not learn from, who would those two people be? Oh, wow. Um... Man, I think if you to learn from, I think if you have an opportunity to learn from Kevin Harvick, um, that I, I've had my eyes opened up um, to this past year to to be in meetings with him and be around him and um, you know see see his dedication and see the work ethic that he puts in and it kind of it's kind of quiet. He doesn't blast it out there on social and all that stuff, but he puts a lot of work in, um, and he's really detail oriented. Uh, so I think him or Jimmy Johnson, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson from the, from the aspect of not only has he been so successful, but he's so gracious at it at the same time. Like, uh, he's a, you know, he's, he's a seven time champion and yet he's one of the most humble people you'll meet. Um, and so that, that, aspect i would i would tell any rookie driver to look at that um because just because you have success and just because you win races and and um you know you might climb the quote-unquote ladder of our sport uh it doesn't mean that you should have an ego and it doesn't mean that you should treat people like crap like there's a guy that of all people could have an ego um you know won tons of races won seven championships and he's confident in himself uh, but he's very humble and, and, and a gracious guy. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And then one that you would not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think the list is, is pretty long actually of guys and I, I'm not going to single any one guy out, but there's the list is, is pretty long of guys that come into our sport. Um, don't do the right things with, with the sponsors and their partners, uh, don't do the right things on the racetrack. They tear up a lot of equipment. Um, and you know, they, they put, they put a lot of pressure on themselves and they end up driving over their head. And, and then what happens is, is they, they come and go out of the sport. And so for a rookie driver, I think that's really important to, to look at that and, and see like, Hey, these are mistakes that this guy made and and you don't want to do that mm-hmm. um if you want to be here for any length of time you want to make sure that uh that you take care of your partners and your sponsors and that you're a good representation for them and that you don't show up tr- thinking that you're going to win every race and try way too hard and end up putting yourself in bad positions and tearing up a bunch of equipment yeah Okay, so the question from the last guy, I just did an interview with Kyle Larson, yeah. and he had said that he ran into you at Volusia, 
yeah. and you introduced him to your grandfather yeah. who raced sprint cars and of course that caught Kyle's attention. Yeah. So he wanted to ask you, um, do you um, have any memories of watching your grandfather race at all? And if so, what sticks out? Yes. So I have a lot of memories watching my grandfather race. I watched, I watched my grandfather race all the way until I was eight years old when he retired and, and then bought me a go-kart and I started racing and the the memories that stick out the most to me was i would say 50 percent of the time that we went to the racetrack he won Hmm. wow and and so my favorite part about going to the racetrack was when the race was over he would stop on the front straightaway and take a picture with the crowd they would actually let the crowd come out onto the racetrack um and he would he would take a picture and so i would stand with him for a picture with just us and the crew and then they would let fans come out and take a picture with the feature winner and then the fans would go back in the stands and he would put me in the seat of his sprint car wow and he would ride on the left side nerf bar and he would let me drive the sprint car with the engine not running we were getting pushed on a four wheeler but he would let me drive uh the sprint car standing up in the seat uh back to the tech barn Hmm. uh after the race was over for tech so those were those were really cool days and that's that's what uh you know that's what made me so passionate about racing wow that's pretty cool yeah so the next interview I'm doing is with um, William Byron. Do you yes. have a question I could ask uh, William? Yeah, so his bus is actually parked right next to me. Oh, your next-door neighbors. Yeah, and so the few times that they have pumped him out this week, it stinks really bad. So <laughs> I, I guess my question would be, has anybody told him that his poop stinks? <laughs> so, that's something that only you would know being living here in this motorhome lot. That's that's interesting. Okay, that's good. No, you want a real question? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I think a really I think a great question for William uh, would be that coming into the sport at such a young age and with such high expectations and stuff, what does he what does he enjoy doing to to sort of get away from all of the hysteria of NASCAR and, and the pressure of being um, you know, counted on mm-hmm. uh, at Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Well, thanks for agreeing to do this on a busy week. Really appreciate your time. Yep. All right, everybody. So there you have it. And uh, I got to tell you, you're going to be hugely disappointed here. But I forgot to mention that first part to William Byron. The uh, I don't want to spoil it, but just to knock anybody's hopes up. Because uh, I've already seen some people on Twitter getting excited over the uh, the prospect that I asked William Byron about the uh, smelly uh, scent coming from his bus when the uh, pump truck was there. But when I wrote the question down, I, I just wrote down his actual question for the next guy. And then I forgot. I just blanked on it. And then to, when, I, when I went back and heard this interview, I was like, oh, crap. No pun intended on the crap. But I forgot to ask. So uh, sorry about that. But I guess William Byron will find out with everybody else when he uh, reads the interview. And uh, <laughs> since I never actually got to ask him that question. Anyway, hope you've been enjoying the 12 questions so far this year. And also uh, make sure to keep an ear out for the other series I've been doing, which is called The Driven Life. And it's about uh, sort of motivation and inspiration that you can use in your daily life. And I got to tell you, the next interview that's coming up, so the next podcast uh, is one of the best interviews I think um, that I could imagine doing for that. It's with Holly Kane talking about um, fighting through adversity, 
uh, and staying positive even in the worst times, like in her situation, uh, going through a divorce while fighting breast cancer. So yes, that is uh, that is something that you could definitely use for your daily life. I know I can. And uh, hopefully you'll take a listen to that on the next episode. Anyway, until then, I will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.